Ephesians chapter 3, looking at verse 20. Because see, it's one thing to have a vision, but again, we can't allow what we see in the physical to distort our true vision. Because again, the vision of this house is to heal, empower, and teach. But, but, but to heal what? Through, through it, it's even on the door, we talk about having counseling classes and, 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 life, and life, life, life coaching classes and, and to empower through, through the education, through business, you know, to teach these things. And, and, and that's still the vision, whether, whether, it's, whether it's manifested here or not right in this, this now moment, that's still the vision, amen? amen. And, and if you're here in this house, that's the vision that you're helping to carry. And we talked about it in leadership that, that we're getting now in the leadership uh, three is, is the doing part. Amen? It's the doing. And that's what we are. And, 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 and it's all, I never tell Pastor Paula the messages that I'm doing most of the time because a lot of times I do that purposely because one, I don't want her to change it, but two, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But no, the main reason is because I always know that she's going to say something that confirms what I heard. Like she's done already, and then it never fails, and that, and, and 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 that's why. So sometimes she will actually change the message and not know it because up and, and while she's saying stuff before I come up, if I if I don't hear something that confirms the message, I'm like, okay, God, I need some new notes <laughs> because obviously I didn't hear you correctly. Amen. But she talked about the spirit of excellence and going higher. And, and that's a doing thing. That's a see to, to, to walk in excellence. You got to have a vision of excellence. But to have that vision, you got to be looking at the right thing. So looking in Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. I'm reading. I'm gonna read it out of. Uh, I'm gonna read it out of the the New American Standard first. But I also want to look at it in a couple of other translations. But Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. We've heard this all before. It says, "Now to him." And this is Paul talking to the Ephesians. He's, he's closing out a prayer. And, you know, so he, he, he said all this stuff prior to this. And now he's saying, but now to him. And we know who he's talking about. He's talking about God. Amen. If you didn't know. He says, now to him who is able. We have a God that's able. And he says, to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. The King James says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Even the NIV gets it right, saying, now to him who is able to do it. I like how they put it here. Immeasurably. Meaning you can't even measure it. Get your little ruler out. You can't even measure it. Get your cup out. Get your bucket out. Get your boat out. Get whatever you're trying to measure what God can do. Get it out. And he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, his power that is at work in us. 
And that's why I like the NIV version, which a lot of times I don't go to that version because they leave stuff out sometimes. But here they added something in to let us know where that power is. It's not our power. He says, now to him who is able to do more abundantly, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, now to him who is able to do immeasurably, above all, all, get it in your head, get, get all in your head. Get all your thoughts, get all your plans, get all your visions, get all your desires, get all your hopes in your head, and God can do better than that. Get your greatest dream in your head. Get your biggest ministry, your, your, your best-selling book, your biggest car, your biggest mansion, your, your whatever. Get it in your head, and God says, now to him that can do above all, above all. But now, see, to me, that, apply, that implies some things. That implies some things. That implies that, that, that what we see, that what we see in the natural, that what we see in the natural is not the end. That what we see in the natural is not correct. That what we see in the natural is not really what is. Because it says, now to him who, can, who is able, See, he is able. God is able. It, it, it's not about our ability. It's about God's ability. It says, now to him who is able to do above all that we can ask or imagine. Now see, that, that, I like when Paul said those two things because he could have just said to want to do the things that we ask. But he says, even than what you imagine. Now think about this, our imaginations. Even in our finite minds, our imaginations can woo. Your imagination can run wild. You don't believe in being in the house by yourself late at night and hear a sound go bump. <laughs> Man. It ain't gotta be a hot loud bump. It can just be a little in your mind just. You know, you in the middle of a Friday the 13th, Freddy Krueger, Halloween, everything. You you done wrapped all the movies up together. Can't nobody write no movie better than this playing in your head. Because our imaginations are are, are our our little taps into infinity. Taps into infinity. But even with that, God says, I can do more than you imagine. So then that leads me to say, going back to the original question, what's the vision? What, what, what's the reason why we come to, come to church to hear what God has to say? We talked about communication yesterday. What is it? Why do we? Because he says, I can do above all that you ask and imagine. So then I asked God, I said, well, that means God, what? That means I must have a, a, a vision problem. Because I don't think that do, do some, sometimes you get that unction in you that, that you just don't have all that God is intended for you? Am I the only one that feel like that? Like, like God, this can't be all of it. You know, not that, not that we, and I ain't even talking about from a prosperity standpoint. I'm not talking about from having a pocket full of money and all that. You know that's nice. You know, God, we, you know, it's nice to have, amen. You know, I can do some stuff with, you know, some pocket full of money, amen. But it's just, 
is that fulfilled feeling that there's like it's something I can't put my finger on it, but but Ephesians three twenty kind of puts us on the path because he's saying that that I can do all things. I'm able. I'm able. So that's the first thing we realize is that it's God's ability, not ours, that we have to worry about. He says that I'm able to do all. And see that all, I love that word because he says all, all things that above. He says immeasurable, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask. And imagine. He says all Think about that. Meaning, if you live to be a hundred, everything that you ever asked for and everything that you ever imagined, you still didn't get it all from God. Walk with me on that. Just don't that like the like that commercial say mind blown. <laughs> it's just you can't even. It's like everything, and I, I still haven't even tapped in yet. Because God says that it's really about how we see things. So we can be a people that allow the empty chairs to confuse us. That the empty chairs can make us give up. The empty chairs can can make you say, or people come and people go, and you know, but that that comes with that that comes with the territory of ministry. Amen. It's just that in smaller smaller churches you see it more, but but every every church does it. If you're in a church of five thousand, they say the percentage wise, I mean, you losing two to five percent each time. It's just that if you got five thousand, you don't see that. But you know, you got thirty. It's like, oh Lord, half the church gone. You know, if you got 15, it's like, ain't nobody here. <laughs> Amen. But that doesn't change the vision. Because if you look at Ephesians 3.20, God is telling us, I can do exceedingly, above all, immeasurably. See, these chairs measure. These chairs measure bodies. But guess what? God says the work that I have for y'all, for us to do, is immeasurable. You can't count the chairs. Because if you're living, see some pastors, and I say, I always tell God when I when I started getting down like that, I say, God, don't never let me get caught up on the on the on the seats being filled. Don't let me get caught up on the people. Cause see, cause you can get to a point when you feel them chairs, you're satisfied. Okay, I'm good. I done made it. I done arrived. You get around the other passage, you like, you know, how, how many you got? I got this many. How many you got? You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual pissing contest. You're, I was thinking about that. Now, luckily, I don't associate with them kind. I got out of them groups because I don't even, well, I even get in the groups. I can hear you. I can hear you pissing and I left. I'm yeah, like, I, ain't, yeah, I ain't in yeah. that. I hope I'm not offended with that word, you know. But no, no. We all do. You know, because it's not about that. It's not about that. The, the, the thing is, is like we said, is he is to heal and power and teach. I can do that whether the chairs are filled or whether they're empty. I mean, we, we, you call to do what you call to do regardless. See, we got to quit real We got to quit. We, we got to quit. Uh, Looking for the hand claps and looking for the applause, looking for the validation. God validated it right there. He says, I can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask and imagine. Yes. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Jesus. 
Why? Because of the power, my power that works in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. I can do it. it just, I'm able if you just let me. So then I have to ask, well, God, what is it, what, what is it about us that's not letting? It's the vision. And when I say vision, it's the physical vision. See, your physical vision can cut off your spiritual vision. Turn to, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to go through this little story, and then we're going to be done. Ephesians 3.20 is the foundation. You know, as they say, we, this is the foundational scripture. Now we're going through to the supporting scripture. You know, these are, you know, for the ministers in the house, amen? This is how you do a message, amen? Well, this is how I do it. <laughs> it might not be homiletically sound, you know, but... But it gets the point across, amen? I might not always speak the Kang English, but it gets the point across. Mark chapter 10. Looking at a very familiar story. I've preached on this story before, but... But now just looking at it from a whole different perspective. Mark chapter 10, and let's look at verse uh, 46. Because God says, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, all. Listen to that word. That's a beautiful word in scripture. All that you ask and imagine. But see, what you ask is limited by what you see sometimes. What you imagine is limited by what you see sometimes. If you never leave your block, you can't imagine what's out in the world. I, I remember going to college and, you know, and coming back home, and I used to always tell, I used to say, man, I don't want to get stuck in that Mayweather mentality. Because, you know, and because people is like, that's all you see, that's all you know. So you 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 can't even imagine nothing else. So that's where that that's where the thing, and that's why God said it's really about what the people are seeing. Because it's what they see limits what they can see. It limits the imagination. You can't even imagine what you've never been exposed to. But see, once you get exposed to something, then that opens up another door. Then you go through that door, and then that you get exposed to that, and now that opens up, and it just keeps going and going and going. But here we have in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, we have the story of blind Bartimaeus. Oh, blind be here. And it says in verse 46, then they came to Jericho, talking about Jesus and the disciples, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Sitting by the road. Just just, just sitting there. A lot of times that's what we do. It, it, it's not about, about what, what, what you can sit and receive, but it's really about what you can stand and do. See, we, we said this, me, me and Pastor Paul, we started, it's like we don't want seat fillers. We don't want people falling behind and just trying to get into the first lady club because we don't, you know, we don't even do first lady anyway because that's that's temple prostitutes. But that's a whole other story, sermon. But but it's really about it's really about what can you do. But here we got Bartimaeus just sitting. Now he's blind, so that's that's reasons to that. But in verse forty-seven it says, when he heard that it was 
when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now it's interesting, he called him Jesus, then he said son of David. So he's saying, I know that you are God, but then I also know that you are king. Meaning you have the power and the authority to do whatever I need to have done. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then in verse 48, it says, many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, you got authority over these folks who are trying to silence me. See, like, like Dr. Derry said earlier when he, in his prayer, he was talking about saying that the little notes and the citations and all that. It's always going to be somebody trying to present a different vision to you. Shut up. Be quiet. Don't do that no more. Don't go down no more. Don't you see the seat empty? Don't you see that they ain't really doing nothing? Don't you see it ain't nothing really happening? Why don't you just come be quiet? Why you keep talking about heat? Why you saying that? Why don't you sit down where you at? Why, why don't you stop talking? And that's what they doing to Bartimaeus. That's what they doing to Bartimaeus. Because how many know that, that, that other blind folks even who boys don't know they blind don't want you to ever see. They don't want you to ever see. So they call him to crying out, but he cries out even the more. He says, son of David. Now he's saying, exercise your authority over this mess. Exercise your authority over these, these notes and innuendos and gossips and, and whatever. Exercise your authority over this. And in verse 49, it says, and Jesus stopped. stopped. That one thing can preach all by itself right there. It says, and Jesus stopped. Ain't it something when Jesus stopped for you? Here's one man sitting on the side of the road, crying out to Jesus, and Jesus is walking them in a large crowd, they say. All kind of noise, all kind of commotion, and all kind of stuff going on. What am I saying? It's kind of like your life, how, how it can be all kind of noise and all kind of commotion in your life. Your kids tripping, your job tripping, folks acting up, talking about you, doing stuff, coming against you. Everybody, don't nobody want to support you. But then Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said what? Call him here. See, what we got to realize is that you're called. Each and every one of us are called. God can and will use you. Jesus says, call him here. What is that saying? He's saying, change his position. Change his position. Call him here. Call him here. Now, it's interesting. He didn't say, bring him here. Catch that. Why do you think he didn't say bring him here? If he had said bring him here, then his arrival would have been based on somebody else. God says call him here. God says call them here. Call them here. Meaning that your arrival is not based upon anybody else but you. So when you finally get there, can't nobody claim credit. I made them. It was my anointing. It was it was my my impartation. Not saying that any of those things are bad, but some people can do it to the point where they think that you ain't made unless they make you. Right, right, right. And God says, call him here. 
See, no matter what your limitation is, no matter who gave up on you, no matter no matter what, what you may, may have become, no matter what you may have thought you should have been, it's never too late. God says, call them here. Bring them here. I don't care what they've been through. I don't care what they're even going through right now. Call them here. I'm trying to change their position. I'm trying to make them walk in a spirit of excellence to go higher. Call them here. Call them here. So then what happens? It says, so they, they call the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. See, here you the very people who was talking about you, saying don't do nothing. Here you the very ones to, to call out and, 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 and see the glory of God upon your life. I see it on them. I see it on them. He says, call them. Come, take courage. Stand up. He's calling for you. Here's the beautiful thing about that. Remember, Barnabas was blind. Remember, we started off with the foundational scripture of he can, we can be he, God can do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and imagine. So blind Bartimaeus is asking one thing. He's saying, he's saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now, do you think that Bartimaeus was, was seeking Christ more than he was seeking his vision? It doesn't really matter. See, God don't, God don't care how you get to him. He just wants you to get there. He'll work all the stuff out, the details out when you arrive. Because I, I, would, say, I would believe that Barnabas really was more concerned about himself. He's like, I heard this was a dude that could do this. And he, done, he done healed the lame. He done healed the blind before over, the, over in the other town. And he, I mean, hey, he, he, let's see. Let's see what he can do. But Jesus says, come here, come here, come here. Call him here, call him here. And they say, take courage. So that's the first thing you got to do is you got to encourage yourself. You can't, you can't encourage yourself by your circumstance because your circumstance is meant down to discourage you. So you got to step outside of the box. You got to step outside of, outside of what we, like we talked about yesterday, the space, time, and matter. You got to step outside of what you see, your feelings, your, your, your five senses. You got to step outside of that and, 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 and see what God is really calling you to so that you can take courage in it. So that you can take courage in it. And then just like Barnabas, they told him, take courage and stand. Now, it's interesting that Barnabas used what was working to help him overcome what wasn't. He used what was working to help him overcome what wasn't working. He used his mouth to call out to God. He used his feet to walk to him. See, we spend so much time focused on what is not working that we don't use what is working. See, what's not working is the empty chair, but we can't focus on empty chair. We got to focus on what is working. And what is working is a God that is able to do above of all, exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, above all that we ask and imagine. That's what's working. Remember, facts are nothing but green upon opinions. 
We can agree that we see empty chairs. That's an agreed upon opinion. But the truth is we have a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we ask and imagine. The spirit of excellence to call higher. Use what is working. Well, what do I, what do you, what do I have working, Pastor? You have a mouth just like Bartimaeus. You want to see the seeds field? Speak to them. You want to see ministries blow up and expand? Speak to it. You want to see your life change? Speak to it. Like we said last time, speakers, not strikers. Speak to it. Barnabas Bell said, Jesus, son of David, I'm using what I got that's working. My eyesight don't work good, but I ain't focused on that. I'm going to use what I have. Like he told Moses, what's in your hands? Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what you can't see. Bartimaeus couldn't see nothing, but he knew he had a mouth. And, you, and it must have been a mighty mouth because he was. Jesus heard him over the crowd, over all the noise and commotion. That's how powerful the, the, the spoken word is. And that's what he was speaking, the word of God, because he said Jesus. So that let him know if he really was hollering out, uh, uh, the, the, the Messiah, Yeshua. He was hollering out his name. Then he said, son of David, I'm declaring some things. Have mercy on me. Because I know that in the Old Testament it said that, that, you, that you have righteousness in your wings. So he's declaring some things. If you want to see things change, use what's working. He used his mouth. Then it says, he, they said, stand. His feet was working. So what did he do? He spoke that word and then he stood on that word. Speak, then stand. Speak, then stand. Speak, then stand. See, God ain't looking for us to be, to walk in perfection. He's just looking at us to walk in participation. You ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all together. But Bartimaeus didn't have it all figured out. He didn't have it all together. But God said, I just need you to participate. I just need you to come when I call you. I just need you to get in position when I ask for you. I just need you to be willing to do. And that's what he did. See, he's looking for some faith. He's looking for some faith. Do you do what you can so God can do what you can't. Do what you can so God can do what you can't. Do what you can so God can do what you can't. See, we gotta we gotta we gotta run out of ourselves before we get to God. When Jesus walked up to the Lazarus tomb. He said, roll away the stone. Do what you can, and then I'm going to do what you can't. You can't call him out the grave because he's been dead for four days. But you can roll away the stone. You can't bring him and resurrect his life, but you can remove the obstacle to his life. Do what you can, and God will do what you can't. 
But see, now the big question is, here it is, here it is. We, we getting here, we getting here to the end. Here it is. In verse 50, it says, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. He answered the call. And answering him, Jesus said, here it is, y'all. Remember I said exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask and what you, what, what you can imagine. So here we go. Jesus hissing with the million dollar question. Imagine Jesus coming, incarnating, asking you this question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that if Jesus right now asked you, what do you want me to do for you? I heard you. I heard your prayers. I heard your cries. I heard you crying out. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And I know at that point, you, you even probably hear him ask you that now, and things are coming into you, into your mind. It's like, what would I ask Jesus to do for me if I really just had that one-on-one -on -one time, which you can, it's called prayer. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what do you want me to do for you? I heard, I heard you. What do you want me to do for you? But now, how many know that when God asks you a question, it ain't because he don't know the answer? Did you know that he knew Bartimaeus was blind? So you got to ask him, like, well, Jesus, why are you asking the man what you want to do for you? I mean, because most blind folks, you, it's obvious that they blind, especially by the time you got up in Jesus' face, you probably like, man, can't you see what I want? <laughs> You can see. I want to see like you. You know what I'm saying? Jesus like, what you want me to do for you? And then you can read that sentence several different ways. What you want me to do for you? What you want me to do for you? What you want me to do for you? What you want? What you want me to do for you? I mean, Jesus could have came all kind of way, but I can imagine Barnabas responsible initially because then when we read Christmas, it reads all like flowing, like there's no time, you know, time hadn't passed or whatever because Barnabas answers him. But but I like to look at the time in between where Barnabas probably wasn't saying nothing, just wondering like, how much, how much, how much of a prophet is this? <laughs> he can't see what I'm He can't even see that I'm blind? He must not know much as people say. Is this the right person I'm talking to? Mm -hmm. Have I? And see, a lot of times that's what happens with us when, when we get to Christ and we're talking to God in prayer and, and, and we don't get the answers that we want or, or he don't, he don't, he, he asks us a question like this and we're like, did I, did I get to the right God this time? I mean, you, you supposed to know everything. But he asks a question for a reason. But the thing is, we got to, we got to respond with the right answer. That's the key. And that answer calls for introspection. If you look right back up in the same chapter, you look right back up at uh, verse, verse 35. Same question is posed to James and John. Verse 35 says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came unto Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> now they, they're not like some little seven-year-old kid. We want you to do whatever we, whatever we ask. Yeah. Uh, you mean anything? Now either they were acting immature like some seven-year-olds, or they had caught the revelation. Yes. 
that God can do exceedingly above all that we ask. It was one or the other. But how many know the word of God will tell you which one it was? Because then Jesus told him in verse 36, he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They just told you. So that lets us see that they really were asking out of immaturity. And then in verse, because he wants them to really evaluate what they ask him. And in verse 37, he says, they said to him, grant that we may sit on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. But I want some VIP seats in heaven. Amen. That's what they're asking him. He says in verse 38, but Jesus said to him, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He said, he said man, y'all, don't now neither one of y'all know. James, John, neither one. I know y'all the sons of thunder. I know y'all got it going on and all that. I know your mama done came over here and asked me to, you know, to like y'all a little bit better than everybody else. He said, I get all that, but but you don't know what you even asking for. And that's why I said we gotta really look at that question when God said, What do you want me to do for you? See, the real answer is or should be. When God says, what do you want me to do for you? It's the same question as, why do you come to church? Bartimaeus wanted to see. And that's our answer when God says, what do you want me to do for you? The real answer should be, God, I want to see what you can do through me. Not what you can do for me, but what can you do through me? See, because once your vision gets restored, mm -hmm. that was only part of the plan. That's like salvation. That's just to get you into the door, to expose you to something you didn't have before. But that's just the starting point. You have not arrived. That's what God has done for you. He don't need to do nothing else for you. He died for you. He rose for you. He brought you back into one with God for you. That's it. That's why he said it's finished. I don't need to do nothing else for you. So that's why when he asked that question of Bartimaeus, he asked that question of James and John. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Because he was hoping that they could see that you've already done enough for me. Now I just need to see what it is that you can do through me. That's what we go to church for. That's what we, that's what we do all this for. That's what it's all about. It's so God can equip us so that we can know what God wants to do through us. God can do what? Exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask and imagine according to the power that works in us. If it's working in us, that means it's in us so that it can go through us. Yes. See, up until now, you've seen what you can do. Like Bartimaeus, he was blind, but he seen what he could do. It was based off his limitations. Up until now, you've seen what other people could do. You've seen what your mama could do, what your dad could do, what your pastor could do. You've seen what the politicians could do. You've seen what your money could do. You've seen what everything else could do through you. But now God is asking, are you ready to see what I can do through you? 
Are you really ready to see? Are you really ready to take that trip? Are you really ready to go? Are you really ready to walk in that spirit of excellence? Are you really ready to go higher to see what I can do through you? I've already done for you. Okay. I died for you. He says, I came. That's the part for the salvation. But then if you in that next part of that verse it says, well, I came so that you may have life. And life, what? More abundantly. So he, the four was the coming. He came for us. But now he said, that's just it. You got the keys to the house. Now it's time to open the door and go in. Salvation is just the beginning. But now I'm trying to show you kingdom. Kingdom is God operating through you. Through you. So that's why Bartimaeus says he threw off the cloak. He threw it off. See, there's some things we're going to have to throw off. We're going to have to take it off. That's why Paul says throw off all that hinders you. What is holding you back? What is keeping you limited? What is grounding you? What is keeping you from going higher? What is keeping you from reaching? What is keeping you from stretching? What is keeping you from breaking through? What is keeping holding you back? What's standing in your way? What's your obstacle? What's your hindrance? What's your delay? What's your setback? What's your holding? What, what, what's, what's grabbing you? What's choking you? What's stressing you? What's binding you? What's choking you? What, what, what's strangling you? What, what's grabbing you? What's attaching to you? Throw it off. Throw it off. Throw it off. Throw it off. Ain't you ready to see what God can do through you? Through you and 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 through you. Ain't you ready to see what God can do through us as a church? Aren't you ready to see what God can do through us? He says, I can do all exceedingly abundantly and above all, immeasurably above all. I can do it. I am able through you, through the power that I have put in you. He says, are you ready to see it? Are you ready? Come here. Call and get in this position. Use what is working. Speak that thing. Stand on that thing. Are you ready to see what I can do through you? Are you ready? 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 It ain't about me. It ain't about the church. It is, it's about, are you ready to see what God can do through you? That's what we come to church. That's what all this is about. That's what Christianity, whatever you want to call the relationship, or whatever. that's what it's all about. Are you ready to see what God can do through you? And once we realize that, our true potential, not the facts, not the agree upon opinions, but your true of potential is God's power. Because it says the power that works in us. So our true potential is his power. Mind blown. Let that sink in. That your true potential not talking about what you've agreed upon 
with somebody else or agreed upon with yourself. I'm talking about the truth. It says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or imagine according to the power that works in you. That power is your potential. That power is your potential. Quit looking around and about and fall up and down. The power that is in you, that is your potential. That is your potential. It's okay to start with what God can do for you. That's how he gets you clean. But he wants to end up with God. What can you do through me? That's what I want us to pray over the next seven days. If there's any gift that you can give to me, which will end up really being a gift to yourself, it's over the next seven days. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you want to do through me? 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 When you ask him questions like that, he knows you're willing. You do what you can, and he'll do what you can. That's why he says, I am, because I am makes the impossible possible. Amen. Amen. Amen.